previously on episode nine of Lick the Plate. The fact that I grew up in martial arts, so it sort of ties into that and the fact that I also lived in Japan and taught English in Japan and the Japanese word for teacher is sensei. In the two and a half years mm-hmm. that you were in Japan, yeah. you had sushi maybe twice. Maybe twice. In Japan, a lot of people and a lot of families go to KFC for Christmas, which is interesting. I didn't know that until I was there. I'm like, why are there so many people in KFC on Christmas Day? Funny, did you know that Wagamama means like lazy? Ah. <gasps> Yes, it's along the lines of, of lazy. That's what it means. Because it's kind of in between texture-wise, like, you know, poultry and yeah. fish. I was kind of like, you don't know where you want to sit. So I'm not sure. <laughs> but it was really nice. Like, the meat was delicious. Like, I preferred it um, by far over the um, the crocodile. Shout out to the church grandmas. Shout I out feel to like the church grandmothers. They are everywhere, all over the world, no matter where you go. Mm. The skin on it or the scales look really flaky. It's massive. And mm-hmm. it looks like... It has some sort of skin condition. Banana wine and snake wine. Um, Now, I did say before that I don't drink, but when in Rome, I tried a little. It was literally like a tiny, tiny bit at the bottom of a glass. Both of which, awful. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) No, wait, okay. Welcome back to Lick the Plate. I'm your host, Cameron Bernard-Jones. We continue with Ash, the traveling sensei, a food and lifestyle blogger from the UK. Last time, we got into his time living in Japan and his travels throughout Vietnam. This time, we explore more of his Asian travels, including trips to the Maldives, China, Turkey, and Nepal, look at my reminiscences of Italian and Argentinian food, and we learn more about Ash's inspiration and ethos behind his brand, The Traveling Sensei. We spoke about Japan, Mm -hmm. Vietnam. Mm -hmm. What other places... Let's keep it to Asia for now. Mm. What other places have you been in Asia? Um, So Japan, Vietnam, I've been to China, um, and so China... um, what was the other one? Thailand. Um, and I feel like I'm missing somewhere else. Nepal. Um, oh, Nepal- Nepalese food is delicious, by the way. Um, but yeah. The Maldives as well, right? The Maldives. Oh my goodness. Yes, the Maldives. That's on my bucket list. Oh my, it was my bucket list. So the, I was really fortunate, actually. Um, really fortunate. Very, very blessed. Because... My dream destination has always been or was always the Maldives. And I was like, I want to go to the Maldives by the time I'm 60. And I don't want to just go for like the entry level version of the Maldives. I want to do like, I want to do fancy luxury travel type stuff. Even though the Maldives itself is luxurious as a destination. Um, I always had it in my mind. I was like, I just want to just go and feel like I'm a millionaire for a week or so. Um, and I was fortunate because I started my page in 2021. Um, and December of the same year, I was in the Maldives, which was pretty cool. Um, I was somebody's plus one, <laughs> but I was there and it was great. I had a, I had an amazing time. Um, when it comes to the food in the, because I was on an island and I was basically the whole island is a wellness retreat. So 
I was being pampered the entire time for two weeks, which I'm not complaining about. Um, they had three different restaurants on the island, so you could go um, to whichever one you wanted. Uh, but when you arrive on the island, you actually have a, a overall well-being and health assessment. So they sit you down, they ask you what you want to work on. For me, it was like, I want to um, be less tense, less anxious. I want to build up my strength. I just want to learn how to relax a bit more. Um, so what they do is they create a bespoke um, itinerary for you while you're there. So different classes. So you might do yoga and Pilates on the beach at, at sunrise and then go to do something else like water massage, etc. cetera. Um, and they, they base it on the four pillars of wellness that they have, which I've got, I said that now and I have to try and remember what they are. One of them was whatever your gut health is. I can't remember what the word is. There's that one, there's energy, there's, there's two others. I'll figure it out. Um, but in each of the the restaurants, the menu has a sim has a symbol next to each thing, which corresponds with what the things that they tell you to focus on are. So out of the four pillars of wellness, each thing on the menu is dedicated to one of those four pillars. So if you're working on something specific, they'd recommend that you get something from the menu that is next to that symbol. Um, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find. I don't know if I can do that now. No, it's fine. Um, I'll let you know later. Um, but yeah, so the, the food was great. It wasn't necessarily, I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't say it was It was necessarily local cuisine. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just like Michelin-style restaurants in there. Um, there was a lot of seafood, understandably, but I, w I wouldn't say there was anything that made me think this is, this is like trademark Maldives. Um, unfortunately, but it was great. I had a great time there. China was, um, was an interesting one because I wasn't actually out and about in China. So I, I flew from Japan to China because I grew up in martial arts, as I said, um, and I trained at the Shaolin temple in the mountains for two weeks. So that's why I was in China in the first place. So I was basically in the mountains with Shaolin monks, just training for two weeks, which meant that the diet that I had was the same diet that they had, which is almost exclusively vegetarian. Um, but the amount of work and energy that I was expelling through the day, I was like, I need meat. Like, what's going on here? But I just had to just eat what everybody else eat, ate. And for the first couple of days, it was really hard because one of the things that they have is, um, it's like a, a dumpling called manto. Um, and it's basically, it's just a big ball of dumpling with nothing on the inside. And the way that it's prepared is there's not really much flavor to it. So for those first two days, I was like, I can't eat this. This, I mean, this is, this is a lot of work. Day three and four, I was like, I need more Mento. For some reason, my, my, it, it just, it contained everything I needed, mm -hmm. even though, even if the flavor wasn't there. It, I mean, they'd been eating it for like however many thousands of years in the temple. So obviously they know what they're doing. So it took a few days for my body to adjust, but I was looking forward to it by then. Um, because it just gave me all the energy and the vitamins and things that I needed. And then on Fridays we had meat. So every day other than Friday, I think was vegetarian. So it was a lot of vegetables, um, a lot of mantos, like a big bowl of mantel. Um, and then Fridays we get like a little bit like slivers of meat to add to that as well. Um, which was great. I was at, I was at the temple for two weeks. Uh, the plan was for me to go on the weekend from the temple and then go and do be a tourist and go and see the Great Wall of China and do all that stuff for two days and come back. Yeah. 
the end of that first week my body was so broken <laughs> i was like i cannot go anywhere i need the massage so they <laughs> so a couple of the other guys that were training there took me down into the city which was um it wasn't far it was like maybe 20 30 minutes um to get a massage which was great but it was also that was that was phenomenal but there was also um we got some street food so just the street food was incredible like i don't i didn't even i don't even know what we had i don't know the names of anything but i remember in particular there was this one it was almost like a dumpling it was almost like a manto dumpling but it was fried and inside there was like meats and it was just amazing um that was great we went into a restaurant which was like a noodle a noodle bar and i had a giant bowl of noodles after the street food um and that bowl came up to the equivalent of i think it was about 70 pence oh wow um and i felt bad because i couldn't finish it I'd eat, we'd eaten so much food at that point and the bowl was just i could fit my head in it and it was about 70 pence and it was like full of noodles it had meats it had seasonings it was just it was just amazing it was great i loved it it was definitely a, a nice change from the food that we were having at the temple but i mean obviously i wasn't there to eat but it was it was it was nice it was great So you spoke about Nepalese food. You touched on it, mm. but I want to dive deeper because I feel like Nepalese food may not be as popular around the world mm. as many of the other countries that surrounds it cuisines are. Yeah. So tell me, Nepal mm -hmm. is sandwiched right between China and India, mm. which those countries themselves have their own huge, huge food cultures. Mm. So what is a tiny mountain nation in the the Himalayas? have <laughs> that made you think this is amazing this is going to sound really weird but i feel like there was a lot of heart in the food like the nepalese people are some of the kindest warmest people i've met on my travels um i didn't know because what i tried to do is i tried to learn some of a language of a place that i'm going to at least phrases just to kind of get get me by and also just to build rapport that's something i didn't do when i went to nepal um so I didn't really have a way to communicate and express certain things, but it came through with everybody's energy. And that I feel is poured into the food. The food is very similar to, to the other places I've mentioned. There's a lot of rice dishes. There's a lot of um, meat dishes. Um, there's some really spicy ones, actually. I, I remember after we did this, this tour, we went to this restaurant. We just found a restaurant. Um, super cheap i had the the plate was gigantic I've, i haven't seen a, a plate that big and it was full of rice topped with meats topped with vegetables topped with sauces and spices it was just it was really nice i really really enjoyed it um i wouldn't say necessarily i, I tasted like a signature dish that i could say this is this reminds me immediately of nepal but it's just again it's the the warmth of the people i feel is um it's kind of infused in the food um it's that's the only way i can describe it um it's like every time i think of nepal i just think of smiling faces and that's just that's exactly how i felt when i ate the food <laughs> um it's, it's it's the only way i can describe it i can't go into it because i went i was in nepal in 2016 so it's been a while 
Um, but some things, certain things really stick, you know, like I even still have a, um, this black stone necklace that I got halfway up a mountain in Nepal. Um, and this guy that was selling them just gifted it to me. Like he was really smiley and just, we sat down and was a lot of nonverbal communication because obviously we didn't speak each other's languages, but gestures and laughs and things here and he just he just gave it to me and to this day it's one of my most like prized things that i have from my travels i do not let anyone touch it um have you had momos as in peach no so a momo is a nepalese dumpling oh because it means peach in, in chinese as well interesting yeah i didn't know that um i don't think i did have momos are they nice i loved it so the only Nepalese I've had is at a tiny little Nepalese restaurant in Manchester when I was up there mm. in 2021. Mm. And I didn't know what Nepalese food would be. Mm. You know, I I kind of made a, an educated guess of maybe it's like a fusion between Northern Indian and some sort of Chinese. But obviously being where it is ge- geographically, I was like, well... It's definitely not going to be like Cantonese food or anything like that. Um, I kind of was right in my simplest of uneducated, <laughs> almost sort of pseudo-educated uh, guesses about it. Mm. Um, so, you know, I guess we associate dumplings with East Asian cuisines, especially Chinese. Yep. Um, but the flavors... Mm. I was like, oh, this is just, this is, this is, now I see what it is. Yeah, it's different. It's just different. Um, mm, I might try those. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's a Nepali momo. It's a, a meat dumpling. I think I had mine with chicken maybe in it or something mm. like that. Um, I'm pretty sure you can have a veggie one as well. What's What's been your favorite? Because you traveled quite a bit. Oh, not you asking the host the questions. I... <laughs> I have. I've traveled around North and South America, Europe. I've only been to South Africa. Um, I'd say something that really changed my perception on simple ingredients were Italian food. Mm. And back when I ate beef, um, when I had a simple steak in Buenos Aires, Argentina. I haven't been to Argentina either. Okay, I'm going to start with Argentina. <laughs> Please do. I was on a tour um, with other singers. It was a choir of us. And we had been to maybe four or five cities around Argentina. But Buenos Aires was our first stop. Mm. And I can't remember the name of the restaurant, where in the city it was. But I knew about the grass-fed beef. Mm. Um, and the popularity of that and the yeah. taste. So I was like, I have to have a steak. So I ordered a simple steak. It came with like this metal short little basket of thick cut chips, fries. Wow. Um, and I probably could say there were like maximum nine of those things <laughs> in it because they were so, so thick. thick. Yeah. Anyway, the plate comes... And it's just a piece of steak, a little boat, silver boat of chimichurri, Mm. the nine fries, and I'd ordered a glass of Malbec. Mm. Talk about heaven. 
<laughs> the flavor combinations of yeah. those simple things mm. was glorious. So that let me know, like, okay, you can have simple food and it can taste good. Mm. And I also learned that if the animal is raised in the right conditions, that'll definitely uh, affect the flavor. And when I was in Italy in 2010, I want to say this is, mm. talk about I would never have pasta and pizza the way I had it in Italy. Mm-hmm. Yep. I said, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> this is how it's meant to be. This is how it's meant to be. And I've been eating imposters for my entire life. I mean, okay, I grew up in New York, so huge Italian presence. And so, you know, New York Italian is its own thing. Mm-hmm. It's like how Tex-Mex is different than Mexican. It's like yep. New York Italian is definitely different than European Italian food. Um, same roots, but, you know, just different. And so I was in the province of Le Marche, which is like considered to be like the countryside, like the West Virginia of Italy, if you will, the <laughs> the North Wales. What a comparison. I love it. The North Wales of Italy. And I had some of the best Italian food in my life. There were these things called, I think I had this right, porchetta, and they, back when I ate pork, which I don't anymore. Um, it's just, it's, it's a pork sandwich. Mm. Now, okay, Italians aren't known for their bread. No mm. shade, but they aren't known for their bread. That's the French. That's the French. Um, so this, the bread was not it. It was mm. the pork. Yeah. And it was, it was basically like pulled pork, which I grew up on Ooh, basically. Yeah. And yeah, oh, the flavor. No, it, it required no red sauce, no marinara, nothing. Mm. It was just the pork in its juices. And oh, I think I, started to eat it every day because we got it from like a little truck mm. and i had to pause i had to take a pause and i'm like this i shouldn't eat this every day <laughs> this is too much so i then kind of pivoted over to the pizzeria the local pizzeria mm. and that was the best pizza i've ever had and have not had since wow i, I don't know what it is and let me say that i love new york pizza mm. i think outside of Italy, New York City pizza probably has the best pizza in the world. I'm biased, as I know. Apparently, has something to do with the tap water in New York City, which <laughs> really? you would not think is good, but yeah. it comes from like reservoirs way upstate New York. Mm. So, yeah, good water actually in New York City. Um, Ingredients are so important. Yeah, and where you source them from, um, because you were you were talking about like having a simple pork sandwich, and you reminded me of when. So last year I was, I did a, um, <clears throat> like a press trip and we were in Turkey and we were on a yacht sailing around the Turkish Riviera for eight days. And it was just black creatives, it was like black content creators. And it was the first time that that company had ever done an all black, um, trip. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Shout out to Yolanda who put it all together. Um, and obviously because we were on the water all the time, we had, um, there was a cook, so we would have our meals prepared on, on the yacht or on the boat. Um, so every, every couple of days we would dock somewhere and then they would go and find ingredients. And it was the most, like some of the dishes were so simple, but the, it tasted so good. Like the tomatoes, um, it was just simple sliced tomatoes, no particular, um, dressing on it. But they tasted, those are the best tomatoes I've ever had. Ooh. And 
it's so funny because there was somebody else on the trip who was could not stop talking about the tomatoes and, and now every time i see a tomato i just remember, think of her but yeah it was just such simple ingredients like that um the bread just chicken it wasn't particularly seasoned with anything it was just tasty the fish was just tasty you know like the the the, the ingredients were so fresh like we would we would dock in the afternoon we'd do a, an excursion we would get back on the boat and the crew would come on with bags of of fresh ingredients and they would just cook it that day and it was just it was beautiful so like it, it a meal doesn't have to have all of the extra stuff sometimes the ingredients speak for themselves so i i agree i just had to go off on that tangent because you just reminded me of how simple dishes whether it was breakfast lunch or dinner Sometimes with the same things, it, it, it was tomatoes everywhere. There was always like a bowl of tomatoes somewhere. And it was just the best. Sometimes I would just sit there just eating tomatoes. It's one of my favorite things to eat. Yeah. Listen, any type of tomato, all I need is some salt on the side. I'm eating <laughs> it like a fruit. See, I, I can't do the salt stuff. Oh, yeah, you don't yeah, like I'm salt. Yeah, I'm not a salt person. Yeah. But I, I agree. Like, I, I've, I like tomatoes anyway, but I've never had tomatoes like that. And I haven't had them since. And I'm like, I need to go back just for the tomatoes. But the, like the chicken, the, the fish, everything was just simply prepared, but so tasty and rich in flavor because of how they're sourced. I have another game. Oh, let's do it. Is it I'm, I'm competitive, so can I win? Or is it just like a... You're always a winner, baby. Oh, we love that. Okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> So I have a list of sort of controversial foods, whether in my mind or the general public's mind. Mm. And so the game is called Devour or Dispose. And so I'll give you one item Mm. and your choice is to either devour it Mm -hmm. or to not even taste it and throw it away. Ooh, okay. All right. This will be fun. First on the list, avocado. Dispose. Cauliflower. Devour. Mustard. Dispose by itself. Devour with ketchup on a hot dog. Wasabi. Dispose. Fish roe. Devour. Coriander or cilantro. Mm. Devour. Marmite. Never had it. But just by the look of it, dispose. Pineapple on pizza. Devour. Ooh, I know, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm that guy. I'm just a man of the world. What can I say? Mayonnaise. Dispose. Brussels sprouts. Devour. Grapefruit. Dispose. Mushrooms. Devour. Oysters. Devour. Dark chocolate. Dispose. Celery. Dispose. With the quickness. <laughs> burn it. Burn it all. Oh, not burn the celery. Oh, my gosh. I'm with you on that. Ugh. Olives. Dispose. Okay, there's a lot of dispose on this list. Only towards the end. Yes, um, for such a uh, a daring palate of yours. Okay, yeah. pineapple, pineapple on pizza. Explain. You know what? Um, I was very anti this. And what I will say is, like ham and pineapple pizzas, disgusting. No. However, Domino's pizzas, when you can put it together yourself, um, I, this is, this is going back to university. Like I don't even eat pizza that much anymore. I'm not really a fan. But I, oh, this is going to be, okay. So there was a particular pizza that I used to have all the time. My friends will laugh. 
um, because it just sounds awful on paper. So what I would have was a Domino's pizza, barbecue base. What would I have on it? I would have beef on it. I would have, so it would be beef, jalapenos, tuna, pineapple. <laughs> I think there's, there's room for everything. There's literally, I just, I don't know what, I don't know what inspired me to try it the first time. Don't know what possessed me to try it the first time, but I was like, oh, let me try this. And then I was like, oh, this kind of goes well together in terms of the sweet versus the this and the that. It just worked for me. That's the only time I'll have pineapple on pizza or have had pineapple on pizza. Ham and pineapple is not nice. I don't really like ham anyway, because again, salty. Um, so that's my stance on it. It's not necessarily a hill I will die on, but just for my particular bespoke Domino's pizza, I will ride for pineapple. <laughs> Your face. It's okay. You'll you'll be you'll you'll be okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have to be okay. But yeah. you know what? It's okay. I don't have pineapple on my pizza. That's okay. So. <laughs> That's all right. I can tell from your reaction. That's fine. Back to the mustard thing. So no mm-hmm. to mustard alone. Yeah, I don't like mustard. But if it's with ketchup on a hot dog. Yeah, and, and this is quite recently. So I only the only time I ever really have hot dogs is when I go to the cinema. I'm, I'm a big cinephile, so I'm always in the cinema. Um, and normally I'll have my own snacks, but every on the rare occasion where I decide to have a hot dog. The having mustard, so what I'll do is I'll put mustard, like a little bit of mustard on one side, flip the dog over, and then just like pour ketchup on the other side. And it's just a bit of a slight contrast. There's a bit of a a tanginess to it that I won't get with just um, ketchup. But aside from that, I don't like mustard. And now we're burning celery, is that it? (sighs) Yes, burning vat of acid. I just hate, I I do not (laughs) like celery. And... I don't know why I I have such a distaste for it, but I think someone tried, someone was like, yeah, have some celery. It's really good with this dip. The dip didn't help. It just tastes like, I'm, it tastes like what I would imagine me chewing on houseplants would taste like. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. There's no, there's no redeeming quality to it for me personally. Again, different strokes for different folks. Not for me. Make the play. Make the play. Lick the plate. Lick the plate. So I want to circle back to the traveling sensei. Yes. And how many years has has the traveling sensei been since its inception? Since its official inception, it's been two years. Yeah, I started, I think, March or April 2021, um, just as we were quote-unquote coming out of the pandemic um i it was me finally um silencing imposter syndrome and self-doubt because i've been trying i've been thinking about creating a travel page for many years and because every time i had a conversation about travel with somebody they'd be like oh you should you should document this have you got it down have you got a youtube or something and i'd be like yeah you know i'll get around to it but effectively my thing was my mind was telling me no one's going to want to hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's um, the overriding question was how do you start from zero? And I always tell myself like if, when I have my Ted talk, the, the, the title is going to be, how do you start from zero? That's the title of my Ted talk. I'm putting that out there. That's what's going to happen. Um, 
so yeah, so it was just the it was just the the thing of oh, there's so many people with X amount of followers and engagement. Like, how do you start from just a page with nothing on it? Yeah. Um. So I would I would go through all of the the excuses for why I shouldn't do it, and then shout out to the pandemic. Um, had to cancel eleven trips because of that in 2020. So each one getting cancelled was that coupled with the fact that we would have to we were stuck in our houses for the first time was chipping away mentally at me. And I'm just like, this is not, <laughs> this is not help helpful. This is not good. So that was something that I was kind of going through just being in the house, which I'm not used to. Um, so what it's, it was actually quite a fateful thing. I ended up opening Facebook for the first time in goodness knows how long. Um, and the first thing I saw was a memory of an old trip. And I looked at it and instantly started feeling better. And I was like, oh, what, what's this? So I ended up going down the rabbit hole of looking through my old photos on um, Facebook. And, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to, st- I'm just going to start this, this page. Um, like I said, it, there was another, there was other names, but when I settled on the traveling sensei, I was like, I'm just, this is, this page is going to be a digital scrapbook for myself. You know, that's where I'm going to house my memories. It's not necessarily for anybody else. This is to make myself feel better while we're going through whatever's going on in the world. And the fact that we can't leave our four walls, I just needed something to go to, to, to deal with that. So I started it like that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to put things on there from my old trips. I'll put some captions, some, you know, some educational things in there. If somebody happens across the page at some point in the future, good for them. If they like it, great. If they don't, it's for me anyway. I couldn't care less. And that's how it started. Um, and then people just kind of started finding it, you know, um, not to toot my own horn, but I didn't realize I'm actually, I have quite skilled with a camera. I must say like, um, I didn't realize cause I love photography, photography and videography of things that have always been passion points for me, but certain things that I do with cameras and photography, I just assume everybody does, mm-hmm. um, until I meet people that tell me or start asking me how I did X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, oh, I thought everybody knew that. So that, it was kind of like, it was uh, it was interesting because from that I've been, I've been able to do workshops, you know, like I've been invited to do workshops on photo tips and tricks or video tips and tricks. And things that I thought were the basics mm. aren't necessarily second nature to everybody else. And I wouldn't have discovered that had I not started the page um, because it, I sometimes I I do go back to my first posts and realize just how terrible they are. Um, <laughs> and I just like to see the, the, the gradual um, improvement of things, especially reels. Yeah. So if we're going for Instagram, I could not, I hated reels at the beginning. I'll be honest, could not, could not stand them. And it's because I'm so used to, I've been used to creating long form content before like um, feature length stuff in terms of videos and films and things. So having to condense a point into 15 seconds or less was the bane of my life. So the first, those first few videos, awful. As I go, as I like progress and I, and I um, kind of go through the the page coming up to what we are now, I just like to kind of sit back and just admire the things that I've learned without realizing I've learned them. It's only when I look back and think, Oh, I didn't realize that I've made, I'm so much easier with transitions or I can put together a reel in like 10 minutes now versus mm. the two to three hours it took for me to over, of overthink, overthinking before to then come up with something mediocre. Um, and yeah, and also now I'm, I'm starting to realize that I shouldn't be such a perfectionist when it comes to that stuff. Uh. I have this 
thing where everything has to be perfect when it comes to my content or what, or just not necessarily with the traveling sensei um, specifically, but just in general, when I'm creating things, um, like if I'm script writing or, um, doing edits for somebody else, um, or drawing or whatever, I, I, I lose myself in it for hours because this transition has to work. That has to go with the music or that has to flow better that, that this from this transition to that one has to flow in a certain way that makes sense in my mind. Um, and I actually, I think a lot of people find the music first and then create the reel around the music. I do it the other way around. Okay. So I create my videos or my reels. I edit them in silence. Um, there's just a particular like flow or cadence to it that I, I, I want to see um, when I play it from start to finish and then I'll find music to match it. Would you say that your travels um, and just you exploring has helped your creativity? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, a hundred percent. I think everybody, the more you see of the world, the more you realize there's more to be seen, first of all, but also the more there is to learn. And that's not just, um, referring to photo or video techniques. It's just, just how you see the world, you know? Um, I was really fortunate to, to like, my mother would always take me on, on trips, you know, as a kid. So she would always expose me to different cultures, different languages, different foods, you know, different people. So I've always had that sort of thirst for knowledge and like thirst for adventure. Um, and yeah, it definitely opens your eyes. Like I've, I've seen, even when I was in Vietnam, I saw somebody, it's so funny. I saw somebody taking a picture of somebody else and the way that they angled the phone I was like I've never thought about doing it that way before so then I tried it and I was like this is actually a really good effect and now sometimes I'll use that in just just in how I do certain um, reels now because seeing other people and being exposed and being open to learning from other people will always make you better you know you might not necessarily agree with what somebody does but just being open to at least hearing that or seeing that that their version of something will will always make you a better person you know um so yeah it absolutely does um and also just and also the fact because i travel a lot more often now having to turn something around a lot quicker um <laughs> that has now become a skill because it, it might take me or before it would take me you know hours to put a reel together it still takes me a few fair few hours to put the caption together because to me, I, I I obsess with a caption. I have everything I post has to have something in it that's educational or something. Um, so the the caption takes me a lot longer now than the reel does, where it used to be the other way around. I love that we've gone from food we to <laughs> inspiration and education. We've traveled. It's who you are, traveling sensei, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you have so many more stories that you could tell. But I think. I want to leave a lot open to curiosity to Mm. myself Mm. and to those listening because you've definitely shared so much that we could just nibble and taste on and wonder and ponder upon. So I love it. Thank you. It was great. I had a good time. We haven't even spoken about like other continents. I have to come back. We'll have to do it again. It's been great. And that concludes the two part conversation with Ash. Huge thank you to Ash for giving us a small taste of his global adventures. If you want to explore more of his travel and lifestyle blog, follow him on Instagram at the traveling sensei. And as usual, keep up to date with lick the plate by following it on Instagram and TikTok at lick the plate podcast. 
Be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice so you do not miss an episode. You can find all this information in the episode description. This is your host, Cameron, reminding you to savor your memories and sip your curiosities. And if you decide to spill the tea, remember to serve it up with some good vibes on the side. See you next time for another episode of Lick the Plate.